0: Hey everyone, this is Brian from the Tennis IQ Podcast. Josh and I hope that you are enjoying the content and discussions that we put out week after week. If you'd like to support the podcast and help us to continue to produce quality episodes, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Podcast slash membership. Currently, we have two tiers of support, $3 per month and $7 per month. So again, our Patreon page is patreon.com slash Podcast slash membership. Thank you so much. And now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Tennis IQ Podcast. I'm Brian Lomax.
1: And I'm Josh Berger. For today's episode, we are going to be discussing visualization. And this is a topic we have discussed at certain points in the past. In fact, we we had an episode that we discussed visualization on, I think in, in late 2020, um, but it's been, it's been a while since then. We're gonna um, discuss this from some different angles. So um, back when we discussed it then, um, we talked more about on-court, how these skills can be really applied on-court, whether that be um, on the practice court and how you can go through a process of visualizing in order to make your practice um, more match-like, um, and also just some of the skills that you want to incorporate during matches um, in a more realistic setting, um, and then also during matches, whether that be during your in-between point time, um, leading up to a point, you know, after, after you've played a point, and then leading up to the next one, uh, or during changeovers, or during changeovers. Um, and for today, we're going to be discussing more um, how these same skills can be applied off the court. Um, And, you know, I think we'll address this topic from a few different angles in terms of how scripts can be used um, effectively, um, how you can use different progression um, to maybe start small, uh, start with something relatively basic, simple, something um, that you're maybe more familiar with. And we'll talk about that um, and how you can sort of take it step by step by step and develop this practice and start to build this skill further. Um, And we'll talk about it from a a few different angles as well.
0: So, you know, I think one of the reasons, Josh, that we talk about imagery or visualization is it's um, how it can contribute to learning and developing skill. And one of the reasons that it works is that the brain has, um, you know, a difficult time distinguishing between whether you're actually doing this particular activity or if you're just imagining it. And so the idea is if you can become very good at visualization or imagery, as we often call it, because it's not just about seeing, then in a way, it's almost like you're getting more repetitions of that thing that you're trying to practice. So, yeah, you mentioned we could build – um you know, small. So in a way, what, what I often will do with clients is we'll develop something called an imagery plan. And that has different categories. It has uh, technical skills that perhaps you want to work on. And so the imagery would be very focused on, say, serving or hitting particular types of forehands. Um, then there is a section for your different strategies and tactics. And that might be more centered on serve plus one or return plus one or particular patterns of play that you want to use and just centers on that. So it's a little bit longer, a little bit more. And then another part of it is what are some game or match situations that you want to practice? And and very often the content of that part of the plan are around things that you are or situations that you would like to handle better. So perhaps you've been having a hard time starting matches off so we'll have a we'll have a plan about that and the plan essentially shows you what you would like to include in your visualization in your imagery practice because i could say josh hey go visualize you know the start of the match and you might be like okay uh <laughs> you know where do i start with that and so you want to write down some things that you'll, you'll, you'll include in there. And a big part of that, you know, there are going to be details in terms of maybe how you want to play and what you want to see and, and so forth. But a big part of that is really the emotions, the, really the mental and emotional state that you would like to experience in this moment. Or it might even be, let's say you get very nervous. Um, maybe you feel that and you deal with it as part of the visualization, right? That makes it more real because you're going to have certain uh, feelings that are perhaps uncomfortable, uh, unpleasant, and then we want to be able to transition away from those to something that helps you to feel better. So, the, you know, detailing what the mental and emotional state will be during the imagery is, is important. We don't want it to just be some sort of very flat experience as if you're watching a TV show and you're not really in it. We want you to feel in it. So for the imagery plan that I like to do, those are like the first three sections. Then there are a lot of other things that we can do around that. Um, you can write scripts and record them. I think I was telling you, Josh, earlier that uh, I did something like this 15 or so years ago um, where I recorded how I wanted to go through the warm-up and how I wanted to feel in that. And this was done so long ago I was listening to it on my iPod. Um, so it's sort of pre-iPhone, pre, pre-really smartphone. I think Blackberries were around, but I had this on my iPod. Um, so you can do that and, and simply listen to it or read it. Um, and the nice thing about scripts, it takes a little bit more work for sure to write that out um, because it can be, you know, several pages And the script that I did after I recorded. It was about five and a half or six minutes long. You know, it's a decent amount of writing that goes into that. Um, but once you do it and you record it, you can even put some music in the background, you have it and you can use that, that all the time. So I think there's a lot of stuff that we can, we can do, um, you know, with respect to this and, um, you know, I think getting started with imagery is one of the, the, uh, most important parts is, you know, what goes into it. So Josh, like when you're working on this with, with athletes, how do you highlight, sort of the component parts of imagery or visualization skills and help them develop that?
1: Yeah. So I think that the senses are definitely, um, to me, a, a good starting point um, in terms of how do we make this feel realistic um, and then also starting to think about the emotion um, in terms of how you want to be feeling, how you anticipate yourself. Maybe, maybe you you were talking about the start of a match. and. You anticipate or you expect. Hey, I, I'm probably going to feel nervous or anxious or um, some performance anxiety going into a match. Okay, so we're starting to think about what are those um, emotions, and then how can we, you know, what what are the what are some of the ideal emotions? What does that ideal state look like? Um, and actually, I think part of it is um, is the word itself, right? Visualization, right? When you when you hear the word visualization. What do you think of? You think about the visual component. Um, and Brian, you mentioned the word imagery, and you know you can even use the word mental rehearsal as a way to um, you know think about really what we're trying to do here, which is trying to rehearse um, our experience or rehearse what what we're trying. You know what we intend to happen. We'll talk about that because it's not all just what we want to happen. There there are other pieces involved too but we're trying to rehearse our experience. Um, And, you know, in in order to do that, we, it's not just what we're seeing. It's okay. What, what sorts of sounds might I be hearing, right? Am I hearing, um, you know, the the ball on the court? Am I hearing um, the the sneakers on the ground? Am I hearing maybe the crowd? Um, Am I hearing the people on the court next to me? Um, You know, what am I hearing? And then we start to think about sort of sense by sense what that, could look like in, in different situations. Um, some of the senses being a little bit harder than others, like particularly smell and taste, are generally a little tougher. Maybe there's um, the smell of the indoor tennis facility or of the park or whatever it is, uh, you know, a cool fall day, whatever the situation is, um, or it's, um, you know, a certain taste of sweat or something like that. Uh, but those t- senses tend to be a little bit tougher. But I think, especially the sense of, feel is definitely one that we can incorporate. We've talked about, and actually in our, when we interviewed Jeff Greenwald, we talked about um, trying to really feel the ground beneath your feet. I know that's something he will talk to players about, like during that time in between points, that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, maybe it's the ground beneath your feet that you feel. Maybe it's yourself making contact with the ball. Maybe it's the grip in your hand. Um, maybe it's your towel, right? So if we're talking about visualizing the in-between point routine, which is something that I'll I'll often talk about with players. Um, can we visualize and can we try to feel different components of it? Can we feel ourselves taking a breath and really notice what that feels like? So again, trying to get the different senses involved, trying to get the different emotions involved. Um, so I, I I would say I use those two sort of as a as a good starting point for for building these skills.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, you know, when we look at imagery skills overall, that multi-sensory experience is really very important. That, that's what also helps um, the brain really buy into what we're doing there. And I think one, one sense to add what you said, Josh, is what we would call the kinesthetic sense, which yep. is the kind of the feeling of the motion. So if we're, if we're doing an imagery session around your serve – Yeah, of course, we want to feel the grip of the racket and feel our body be loose, but we also want to feel the right motion, have that rhythm and smoothness to it. So there's that. I think when we think of other imagery skills, um, aside from those senses, the mental and emotional state, um, it would then be controllability of it. Um, Because when we first get started with something like this, players will often say, that they got distracted. They can maybe hit two serves in a row and then it's gone. And then they have to kind of come back. And that's normal. It's very similar to med- meditation where your mind may wander. So sticking with the, the visualization and really controlling the images, that can be difficult. So that's, you know, your mind wandering is one controllability issue. Um, not seeing what you want to see is another one. And I've had some players visualize double faulting or making mistakes. Um, And then I had one player who she never knew how to end the point. So the point just kept going on and on and on. Now, she was a very consistent player. (laughs) Um, She didn't really know how to end it. And so she hadn't put that into her plan. So the point never never ended. I think she would just end up stopping. So there are different controllability issues as part of it. So Josh, what do you think about doing um, a quick – exercise to just highlight how to do this. Um, and so if you're watching uh, the video, I have a tennis ball here. Um, if you're uh, not, I'll just walk you through kind of from an audio perspective what we do. Um, and if you're driving, don't follow along <laughs> while you're listening to this. because I'm going to ask you to close your eyes at a certain point. So Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, so a, a great way to start with this. Um, is with a tennis ball. So I have a tennis ball here. It's a Wilson US Open 4. And you just want to start holding it in your hand. I'm using my right hand. And I just have the ball in my fingers. And I'm just going to turn the ball in my fingers. And the first thing I'm going to look at is the details of the ball. And I'm noticing it's a Wilson US Open 4. I see the red lettering of US Open. I can see the seams on the ball. The felt here is a little bit beat up. So I'm taking in all that visual information. The next thing I'm gonna go to is, how does this ball feel in my fingers? And I'm noticing how the felt feels, maybe how the seams feel against my fingers. Start turning it in different directions here. So I've got that feel piece, all the different fingers are touching it. The next thing I'm gonna notice is how it feels for me to be moving my fingers and noticing the motion of the fingers here, right? So this is just what I'm doing, I'm seeing the ball, I'm touching it, my fingers are moving. So we've got different senses there, seeing, feeling, and then the kinesthetic piece. Not really hearing anything at this point. Um, So that won't be necessarily part of this. Now, the next thing I do is I'm gonna keep this ball in my hands, but I'm gonna close my eyes. And so as I close my eyes, the goal is can I still see the ball as I'm turning it? Can I still see the red US Open, the Wilson four part? still see the seams. Okay so I'm really trying to visualize that ball turning in my hands as much as I can. So then I put the ball down but I keep moving my fingers as if the ball is there. Alright so now I want to see if I can feel the ball still see it in my fingers and feeling it and also the sense of the fingers moving. Alright so I'm really trying to still see the ball And feel it in my hand. My fingers are still moving. And then I can pull my hand down and try to see the whole thing in my mind as best I can and still try to feel what it's like to feel my fingers moving. And I just want to do that for a little bit to see if I can keep that vividness and detail going. See that ball in three dimensions. See the colors of it and so forth. So, it's a really good way just to get started with trying to visualize something simple. Um, we also talked about, you know, if you want to bring in smell and taste, you could do this with a couple of gummies. It's the exact same thing, but at one point, just eat the gummy and notice the taste and see if you can bring that in, or you may even smell the gummy and then have a second gummy so you can keep working on that. Um, If you want to introduce more sounds while you're doing this, play some music in the background and then turn it off and see um, what you can hear. When I do this with players, Josh, the skill I think that most players need to work on is the hearing part. Um, And so a way to improve that is to begin to use yourself as a recorder. So the next time you go play, Bring more awareness to the sounds of the court and start to, in a way, mentally record what does it sound like to your feet on the court? Maybe the squeaking,: yep. How about or the ball coming off your strings, or the ball coming off your opponent's strings, or maybe whether you grunt or breathe, And you start to just record this, It becomes much easier the next time to bring it in to, to what you're doing. So anything that you feel like you' need some help with. Just the next time you play, use yourself as a recorder, just become bring more attention and awareness to that part of the skill, and then you'll be able to uh, put that into your imagery session more easily. Yeah, I
1: like that idea of you know sort of using yourself as a recorder. That's something I haven't incorporated, and I think it's it's good because that that sense of sound, yes, you can picture you know that that sound of yourself making contact with the ball or maybe. You're the shoes against the ground, but maybe there's other sounds. Maybe there's birds chirp. Maybe you're playing outside and there's birds chirping, or maybe there's other sorts of things. So I like that suggestion to spend that time when you're on the court and try to really notice and try to really be aware of what are those sounds that you're hearing, because I I agree that that could be a harder one to incorporate. I think the visual sense is definitely first in terms of what people um tend to remember tend to pick up on tend to be able to replicate um and yeah i guess i would and and i yeah and i think also for um that exercise in terms of you know the the tennis ball exercise in terms of visualizing that i think that that's great because you know if you're listening to this podcast i think there's a pretty good chance you have a tennis ball somewhere at home so you can you can do that for yourself and i think it's also a great starting point because i think it's it doesn't require a lot. It doesn't require you to already have this skill built at a high level. And I, again, we, we, I, I want people to notice we keep using that word skill. Cause that's really what this is. It's really a, a skill that we're building here. It's, you know, I think I, I you know, I've talked to athletes and they'll, they'll tell me, Oh, their, their coach told them to visualize their, their coach mentioned to, you know, to, to visualize themselves being successful. And it's like, okay, well that's, that's great. I'm, I'm glad that, that, that their coaches are thinking that way. But first we want to do more than just visualizing success. We want to be, you know, more specific. We doesn't want, we don't want it to always just be positive in that way, but, um, you know, trying to really think, okay, how do we do this? And, um, I think coming up with a step-by-step system, like a progression in tennis where if you're trying to work on, let's say your volley, you're not going to start by, um, you know, trying to hit really tough volleys from beyond the service line or trying to hit a swinging volley or or anything of that level, you're going to start probably very close to the net and keep it simple for that step one of a pro- progression. And I think it's, you know, as you start to master that skill, you are able to do more and more. You're able to build on it. You're able to take it to the next level. And I think it's the, the same exact thing with visualization. So being able to start to start in a relatively simple way um, and, and have that be very accessible and then be able to add to it um, and do, you know, do other things. And, and you, you mentioned scripts, Brian, and I, I, that's definitely a an area that I find uh, can be very helpful with people. And we can talk about how we do that. How long does it have to be um, in order to, to really benefit from it? What are even the logistics behind it? Um, but I, I love that. Exercise as a, as a really good starting point.
0: Yeah, and I think um, it just gives you some easy experience, Josh. And like you said, it's, it's a progression of skills to work on. Um, I think some other success factors, there's been some research done on visualization over the years, and there's been a shift in thinking about how to do this um, in terms of what's really effective so for example in the 70s and 80s 90s um it was thought that we always wanted you to be in more of a a relaxed state and um you know that's not necessarily true as we were saying before we actually want to be more into the emotional state that either we're going to experience or that we want to experience and so uh about 20 years ago a um Method of imagery called PETLEP was um, studied, and uh, a lot of success was uh, garnered from using this particular approach. And we may have discussed this, Josh. I think in our first episode, you know, a couple of years ago. But I'll go through it again. So PETLEP actually is P-E-T-T-L-E-P, um, and I think some of the important factors here are. Um, and again, a lot of this is to help it make it more real, the experience. Um, so you may not be able to do all of these, but one might be, so the first P is for physical, that you, it's helpful to be in your, your tennis clothes when you do this. Um, I often recommend to players to either have be holding a ball or be having their racket with them during that time. So again, just making it more, more real. So that physical piece, so you could be wearing tennis clothes, have shoes on, whatever. Uh, e is for environment. So tends to be more effective if you are at the courts. Now, that might make it easier to bring in the sounds and so forth of what's happening in that environment. Um, but you certainly want to be thinking of the environment that you're going to perform it to compete in. Uh, the next two are, I would say, a little bit obvious. They're both T's. Uh, you want to focus on the task. And so that's part of what the plan is, is understanding what you're, what it is you're trying to visualize. So what task? Is it serve? Is it a, is it a, a pattern of play? Is it a p- return plus one play? Serve plus one play? Or is it a situation? Um, timing is important. And we want to see things happen in real time. Not speeding it up. So if I ask you to play a, a game in your mind, Josh... You shouldn't close your eyes for 10 seconds, then come back and say, you're done. I'm <laughs> not sure how many games actually go in 10 seconds. Uh, it should take as long as it would normally take. So that, that would be an example of that. Um, as your visualization or imagery skills improve, and as you improve as a player, you're going to learn more. So that's what the L is for. Uh, so content of your imagery will change over time to match where you are with your game. We've already discussed the second E, which is emotion. So it doesn't necessarily have to be relaxed and calm unless that's exactly what you want. But if it's about intensity, excited, motivated, confident, that's what you want to bring to it. And then the last P is for perspective, which we haven't really talked about, which is you could do, you could see imagery really from two perspectives. One you could see it from within your body, which is more or less what I was doing with the example here because I was trying to see this from my own eyes. But you could also do it externally, more of a third person look. And that's, you could be seeing yourself from the side of the court. You could see yourself perhaps from above like a television camera angle. Um, And both have their uses. And what I've noticed, Josh, is that people tend to be more naturally good at one or the other. Occasionally, I'll work with somebody who's equally adept at both but normally people choose one or the other um and they're like they're both useful i think for skill development oftentimes the internal is a little bit better um but if you're playing points you know and seeing accuracy and things like that external may be better we can work with either um it's always good to try to switch back and forth um But I think those – I just wanted to bring those out as potential success factors as if you're going to build an imagery practice, yeah, think about doing it in your clothes. You don't have to, right? But it might help. Think about doing it more at the courts. Again, you don't have to. Uh, You might be doing it at home in your bedroom or wherever, um, but try it there too. So there are just a bunch of things that you may find help you to create a a more vivid and real experience for you.
1: Yeah, I think think that makes a lot of sense. and I yeah, as we talked about this being a skill, um, you want to have the skill of being able to visualize it from your own perspective or from an outsider's perspective, from more of that, um, you know, third-person perspective. So I think that's really important. And, um, yeah, you know, as realistic as you can make it, right? So, you know, a lot of athletes will use visualization during their pre-match routine, their pre-performance routine. Um, So maybe it's, you know, that sometime during that, let's say, hour, 30, 45 minutes before they get on court. Maybe there's some sort of visualization practice that takes place. Maybe it's reading through the script or listening to their script. Um, And, you know, when you're in that situation, when you're uh, at the court ready to play, you're going to be in your tennis clothes. you're going to have your racket there. So as much as you can make that realistic when you're at home, the better, right? Are you going to be laying down in that situation when you're, ready to play probably you know maybe uh, maybe not maybe you're going to be sitting down you know how can you try to replicate some of these elements of the environment that you will be experiencing when you're in a match or, or or also you know leading up to a match and can you be able to do some of these same things at home to make that feel more realistic and i think that time before a match um I think we we could talk about different types of visualization that, that we can do. I know Brian, we were discussing this beforehand, um, but yeah, I, I think scripts is a good starting point point. we can talk about, you know, how you come up with a script, what, what are some of the steps, what that might look like. Um, you know, I've always more utilized um, shorter scripts with, with players that are um, generally, you know, somewhere between one to two paragraphs as, as at least a starting point in terms of, okay, what is the situation? Maybe it's the start of a match. And, you know, what, what are some of the things that you want to be feeling? How do you, you know, how do you want to be playing? What are, what do those points look like? You know, how do you want to be feeling emotionally? What are some of the, um, some of the things that that are coming up? Is it, is it feelings of confidence? Is it feelings of readiness? Are you examining your opponent? You know, what, what are you doing during that time? Maybe it's other key moments. Maybe it's a deuce point, right? Especially as more and more people are playing no ad. Uh, maybe it's a you know a no ad deuce point. Maybe it's a point in a tiebreaker. Whatever it is, um, can we really put ourselves in that situation and spend you know spend the time ahead of time writing out a script in terms of you know thinking about some of these these key things that we're talking about in terms of incorporating the senses, incorporating the emotions um, in order to to create a script. Um, but also, I think this this is a key point. I know we've talked about this, and actually this is something that um, correlates to something Michael Phelps has talked about, obviously one of the greatest athletes of all time, um, so certainly up there with the top Olympians of all time. And he's talked about how when he, when he would visualize, um, he would visualize three things. He would visualize what he would want to happen, what he wanted to avoid, and everything that could happen. And I think a lot of people their initial thought is, well, why would you visualize what you, you know, what, what you don't want to happen, what you want to avoid. And really what, what the goal there is, is to try to think through, okay, how do we want to handle that situation? If we're at love 40, how do we want to, you know, how do we want to be playing? How do we want to be feeling in that situation? Right. We don't want to visualize, visualize ourselves always winning six, love, six, love every game. You know, we're, we're hitting an ace directly on, on the line at 40 love. Um, let Can we make this more realistic? Can we visualize ourselves and exactly things going according to plan? Can we visualize ourselves when things aren't going so well? When we are at love 40, when we're at 30-40 and being able to, you know, be successful in that situation, being able to stick with our game plan, being able to, you know, move our feet and bring that intensity that we want. Um, or even situations where maybe you lose a point and then we're visualizing, okay, what do I want to do from now until that next point starts? Maybe we have, you know, 15, 20 seconds. Can I go through my routine? Can I slow myself down? Can I focus on my breathing? Can I think about my self-talk that I that I need? You know, can I go through those steps of that routine that I've, that I've hopefully established at that point in order to help myself be ready for the next point? And then what does that next point look like? So maybe that you know that visualization process is okay. We just lost that that last point. Then we're going through that routine, trying to change our emotional state, and then focusing on that next point and what we're trying to do in that next point, and then visualizing that. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a number of different ways this can be used, including you know at home. Maybe it's the night before. Maybe it's in the days leading up to a match or a tournament, um, the morning of certainly, and then right before right before a match as part of your pre-match routine.
0: So let's go a little bit deeper, Josh, on sort of the component parts of a script. And I think that there yeah. are, um, maybe at a broad level, there are two types of scripts. You know, one would be the kind of the first one you described, which is just, it's all positive, right? It's just you seeing yourself master the whole situation. And then there's more the, the performance rehearsal of different situations. But if we look at just the mastery script, Here's, here are the component parts that I ask players to write out. First of all, is like the setting. So that might be you describing just in some detail where you are, the court, maybe the club, what's going on around you. So you want so that you put yourself in the proper place there. Then, as you said, the situation. <clears throat> so if we're doing a mastery script, it might just be having a great start at the beginning, so you might talk about the beginning of the match. The next part is what you do in this situation. And, and it's all, it's a positive thing. It's, yes, it's like you winning that first game 40 love or at love. Um, and then you're seeing the outcome. And then that's a very basic kind of construct for the whole thing. So it's the setting, the situation, what you do from a positive perspective, and then the outcome. And then you can repeat that construct multiple times to create a, a larger script. Now, I think the thing that's different about the the rehearsal part is, you still have the setting and the situation, but there's some sort of obstacle. and Maybe it's the situation. Maybe it's Love 40, or maybe the opponent is playing really well, uh, or you just got a bad call. Uh, some motorcycles just drove by in the background, and you've been distracted. So there's an obstacle there. And then the next part is, what's the intervention? What are you doing to help you get through that? And it might be, Taking some extra time, taking a breath, um, whatever that is, um, something that helps you shift yourself into what you want to do. So then it's more about what you do in the situation. That's the next part. Again, a positive thing. And then the outcome that you hope to obtain. And so the, the, the component parts of this one are setting, situation, what you do in the situation, the obstacle, your intervention, what you do to deal with the obstacle and then the outcome. And it just gives you that, that way with this kind of construct, you can more easily write out what your script is. Um, you know, could you blend some of this together? Yeah, of course you could. But at least it gives you something to think about as you're working through those things. Um, and even if you don't do this as a script, it's just a great way to, even if you're doing it sort of the other way, more bullet points, great way to have you think through how you want to handle uh, different situations? I know we've mentioned this before, but this is really how Novak Djokovic uses visualization. He sees himself in different circumstances in matches, and then he sees himself uh, getting through those successfully. And there are many difficult moments that we all face out there, and the more that we can be prepared, then our emotions will be in a better place. It won't be that we are shocked or surprised. It's like, hmm, I prepared for this. I knew something like this could happen. Therefore, I'm just going to approach this from the way that I want to. Um, and it's not a big deal. I, I'm ready for this. And so this type of rehearsal can really help you, in a way, normalize some of these difficult situations that occur because quite frankly they they are normal Um, they're not desirable very often but they they do happen and we don't want to approach it as if i can't believe this is happening and i don't know what to do we want to approach it through the use of scripts or or just our imagery plan of i knew this could happen and i know what to do and i have practiced my response to this mentally i know what to do in this situation. I know what it feels like uh, both emotionally and mentally. I know what it feels like from my body's perspective in a kinesthetic sense. Um, And so just using this framework, I think, can really help us deal with those situations. Um, Or it could even be more aspirational, Josh. Like some years ago, I used something like this to help me get through a barrier where I would get attackable balls in the court but I wouldn't go for it. I wouldn't hit an attacking shot, or I wouldn't come to net behind the ball and try to finish at the net. So I started working on a visualization plan in which I saw certain shots coming to me that my trigger was all right, I see that ball, I'm moving forward. And this allowed me, you know, so really seeing myself play with more positive intent on these balls. It triggered a more automatic reaction for me when I was on the court. I would see the balls that I would see in my visualization and there was no hesitation. I would follow them in and uh, try to finish the point at net. So, it really helped me get through some holding back or some avoiding mistakes or avoiding losing to play again with more positive intent. Um, So, you could use it in that regard as well. Um, But either way, we're seeing ourselves perform uh, with more positive actions in different situations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I I like that that you focused on a a certain part of your game that that you were trying to um, change or be more, you know, be more aggressive in in that area. Um, And I can, you know, definitely relate to that. And I think, yeah, we could we could look at you know pros and the the top players in the world as as a way to emulate their games as well. And to you know we we've talked a lot about watching the pros, trying to learn from them. And yeah, th- this can definitely tie into the visual vi- visualization piece as well in terms of how can you, you know, can can you watch them? Can you commit to trying to maybe you know whether it's okay? I want to go for my go for my second serve a little bit more, I wanna get into net more, I wanna be a little bit more aggressive, I wanna be more consistent, play with more margin. Whatever it is, whatever it is that you're trying to do, whatever changes you're trying to make, there are pro players that are doing that successfully and, and that, that do that better than anyone in the world. So being able to watch them and then start to incorporate some of the things that you're watching into into that visualization, into how you intend to play, um, and you know, maybe that's, uh, before a match or, you know, it, maybe that's in the days leading up to it to, to really try to, um, sort of imprint some of these points or some of these, you know, this style of playing into your head, um, can, can be very effective. And I, I, I like that example that you use, Brian, because I think it's, you know, we all have something like that, right. Whether it's being more aggressive, whether it's playing with a little bit more margin, whether it's a certain shot maybe it's the serve maybe it's the volley whatever it is that we've struggled with and starting to watch ourselves do it successfully and, and go about that particular um action in, in a more consistent reliable successful way um is is a huge step to, to being able to to do it successfully and I, I think we can use the pros
0: as a resource in this way for sure and uh There was a study done in China some years ago, and this was in uh, Terry Orlick's book, In Pursuit of Excellence. I have the fourth edition. I think they're up to maybe the sixth, so I'm not sure it's in the latest edition. But um, they had uh, three groups of 13-year-old Chinese table tennis players, and one group was just a control group. They just did their normal training. Second group did visualization or imagery uh, practice of themselves Um, playing table tennis. And then the third group did what you suggested, Joss. They watched their favorite pros play. Then they visualized themselves playing like their favorite pros. And of course, each group continued their physical practice. And the group that did the video plus the imagery far outperformed the other groups. Just the imagery group outperformed the control group. But the video plus the imagery group far outperformed the other groups and actually two uh, national champions later on came from that group, that group of 13-year-olds. And this study has been replicated across other populations to show that when we combine watching video with imagining or imaging what we just saw, we're seeing ourselves do it, um, as being, um, a way to improve your skills and learning over just visualization on its own or just physical practice that's been replicated multiple times. Now, of course, these are things that, again, let's be clear about the science. You know, these are not, um, definitive. Everyone will have that same experience, right? But in general, that's how it works. Um, because, you know, we're all different. I don't want to make any guarantees on that because sometimes we get a little too excited about applying science to human behavior. It doesn't always work that way. But um, as a general rule of thumb, if you can watch some video of your favorite players doing things you want to do, as you said, Josh, and then visualize yourself doing those things. An imprint is a great word. You're, you're imprinting like a blueprint on your mind. Um, and then you follow that, and then you also continue your practice, can really have a lot of benefit. Now, in a lot of these studies in which they've used video, visualization, and physical practice, the group that does the video and visualization has practiced physically less time than the other groups, but still improves more. So that's interesting that could we spend a little bit more time doing some of the upfront video and visualization work so that we don't necessarily get exhausted, you know, for coaches, maybe you have a team that's tired. Perhaps you don't need to push them as much on the court. I know we always put so much value on court time and hitting more and more balls, but perhaps you could cut the practice back and just have players do a little bit of video and visualization work on a consistent basis to help with that. That may mitigate any, you know, energy management concerns, that you have with your players, whether they're you know, in high school or, or in college. So a lot to think about there. And certainly with YouTube these days, video of great players is easily found. Um, you can find highlights of just about any single player that you so desire that you want to play like. So um, that's another, another way to use this in part of your off-court training.
1: Definitely. Definitely, I think yeah, as you said, trying to build this skill, trying to start doing it consistently, making it a part of your routine, is a huge step in, you know, and in, in making these skills that you're trying to work on, and uh, you know whether it's a particular shot, whether it's a particular situation, you know, we talked about a deuce point or a tiebreaker or the beginning of a match or whatever it is, um, to to try to start improving on these areas. Right, I think, um, as you mentioned, Brian, the the mind doesn't necessarily can't tell the difference between something that is visualized and something that is an actual experience that you've had. So I think this is a a tool that, you know, probably most, um, you know, depending on somebody's level, you know, whether it's, let's say, the USTA adult level or the college level or the junior level. there's a, I think there's a high likelihood that many of your peers probably aren't using this skill. So I think this is a way to, um, to, to do something that maybe other people aren't you know, practicing this particular skill. And it's a way to really help imprint um, a lot of the things that you're working on um, improving and, and trying to get to that next level and trying to, um, yeah, com- complete a certain action better and better uh, going forward.
0: And I think when we talk about imprinting, another perhaps this maybe we can finish up on this one josh but it's really the 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 idea of developing personal highlight videos and um that's something i really encourage players to do after a performance is create a highlight video in their minds of what they just did um, so that we begin to reinforce the positive aspects of their performance but i would say overall even if as part of your pre-match, you should have your own video highlight um, in your mind that you can go through before all matches. So that way you can be seeing yourself playing at your best, feeling at your best. Um, And again, that's just going to imprint more positive images onto your mind to help you go out onto the court to play with more positive intent. It's very natural for players to walk onto the court thinking about what they don't want to do. And I'm sure you've heard that all the time is you'll ask a player, okay, tell me what you're thinking about for this match. Well, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to make mistakes. You know, I don't want to lose focus and they're extremely good about talking about what they don't want. Um, This is a way to change that and to see more of what you do want to do and then rehearse that. Um, so you can see it through your, your video highlight package from past matches or after a match. Let's imprint some really positive images of what you did well today. Even if it's just from a fighting effort perspective, moving around, being active, being professional, bouncing up and down between points. It could be as simple as that, or it could be also seeing yourself hit great shots, playing great points, etc. Um, so that, that idea of you creating, almost like you work for ESPN or Eurosport or TSN or whatever, um, and you're making a, a, a highlight package of you, what, what points would you pick? Which ones would go in there? What matches would you pick if you were doing a highlight video of your career? Um, and just think of yourself as a producer. And you've got all these memories to choose from. Put that together. Maybe even put some music to that or have it behind you when you're when you're thinking about that it can be really powerful stuff to use these these personal highlight video packages
1: I, yeah I, I think that's great and I think especially right before a match using something like that can be can be really powerful and I think uh, you know as you continue to build that skill of visualization um, it's it's easier to really put yourself in that situation right it's you know if if you haven't spend the time really um, practicing it and building that skill, I think it's, it's harder to make it really feel realistic to really make it feel like, Hey, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm in this situation. I'm hitting these, these shots that I'm, that are going through my head. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I, I love that, that suggestion of, you know, visualizing your highlight reel in terms of great matches you've played, great shots that you've hit, how you intend and how you want to be playing out there. I think is something that, that all players can really benefit from.
0: Yeah. So of course, you know, Josh and I highly encourage everybody to begin to think about putting visualization or imagery more into your your mental skills practice. It's again, not something that takes a ton of time to do, but like anything, the value in it is in the consistency with which you perform it. Um, So if you do visualization once a month, probably not as effective as if you do it as several times a week, similar to meditation and really any other thing that we talk about with respect to the mental skills. They're not, they're not time consuming, but with consistency and effort over a long period of time, you'll get a lot of benefit from that. So, so that's our show for today on uh, visualization and imagery. Um, thank you for listening for more on today's episode. Please check out the show notes. If you have any feedback or questions for me and Josh, please email us at tennisiqpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use the Twitter hashtag tennisiq. Additionally, please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, including YouTube, so you can be notified of new episodes. You can also check us out on Instagram. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash tennisiq slash membership. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon in our next episode.